Welcome back to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have Kim and Kendon. All right, you guys, welcome back. So friends may be figuring out that we are playing with time here. And so this will hopefully be released on Wednesday. And Tim, our, our thought is that we'll start releasing... Um, oh, I should have made a joke about us being in the Twilight Zone. That would have been kind of fun and like on point for this week. No. No? <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, Tim, we were thinking about we'll still record like we do, but we might start releasing episodes on Wednesdays so we can try to be consistent, but I have a little more time to try to edit in between. So, so we're, we got some type of schedule. Just say we are. Not, a, not we might. All right. Yeah, we there are. is no try. We are. <laughs> Friends. New release date is Wednesday. New for during quarantine. Uh, this week we are talking about the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone the movie, to be more specific. Twilight Zone the, the movie. movie. Not the night. Wait, did they remake it in the 90s? They did another movie too in the 90s, yeah. We're talking another about another movie? No, another series. They did another movie too? Uh-huh. Well, we're talking about the there's 1983 a, movie. Yeah, there's another series going on right now. And yeah. base and the the movie we're talking about is based on the series from the fifties and sixties. I did 60s. not know it was that old. Yeah. It's like fifty nine to sixty three or something like that. I think I think so, it was more like sixty two. But I would I would you might be right actually. But um, <laughs> like, well, do I have to show you? I would point out that's only twenty years before this movie was made. You say right. only twenty years? Yeah, I mean the world. It's it's a bigger jump between when the Twilight Zone um, was made and the Twilight Zone uh, Twilight Zone movie was made than when the Twilight Zone movie was made and now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's the, <laughs> She's like, that's what this is about this this week. And um, friends, if you want to jump straight to our dialogue about it, is it a, if it's three of us, it's not a dialogue. It's a trialogue but it's also a conversation it's a a conversation i think a dialogue does not require only two people okay so that will be i'll put the timestamp in the show notes um and then in the meantime we're gonna hang out a little bit so let's start by going back to the 80s kendon give us a color it's green it's green okay what video game starred two adorable dragon brothers who must bubble, traverse bubble. 100 monster-filled stages? Double dragon? Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble, Carnove, or Mylan's Secret Castle? Double dragon. Wow. It is Bubble Bobble. What are the brothers' names? I know I do. Bub and Bob. Oh, of course they are. Wow. Do you remember? Do you remember Snow Brothers? No, I don't. Oh, do you know Bubble Bobble? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was about to try to explain what Bubble Bobble was based off of another game that you have never played. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of video games, did either of you recognize the arcade game that the kid in the Twilight Zone segment that one episode no, was playing? I okay. actually missed. I, I didn't see that he was playing it. I oh. heard that he was playing it. Yeah, they show it. Uh, okay, so that was some 80s trivia. Now let's move forward to the 20s. 
And right. let's start with some news. Is there any news for us this week? Couple quick news tidbits. Um, the Boys season two. Yeah. Finally. Back on Amazon September 4th. They're apparently gonna release the first three episodes and then do week by week, which is changing the format than they did last time. Yeah. Um, looking, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm do probably it. gonna wait until it all comes out. It's like, you know, like um, a good comic that I want to, you know, read it all at the same time. I like to do that. For sure. Um, for those with kids, Schoolhouse Rock is on Disney+. Plus. You want to teach your kids about life. One of my favorites growing up is from 1973, but it's still it's catchy. You the learn a lot. Junction. You can learn all of that stuff with your kids on Disney+. Plus. So that's on Disney+. Plus and... Um, Reminder that this month, July, Old Guard is coming to Netflix based on a graphic novel. It airs on Netflix. I don't, I don't want to get this date wrong. Hold on. July. Why doesn't it say? Well, anyway, it's coming out this month on Netflix. Watch it. It's got Charlize Theron in it. Um, she'll tell Ejo 4, Kiki Lane. Um, oh, July 10th. So next weekend. That's so, so when you're hearing my voice this coming weekend, it's going to be coming. I cannot wait for it. <laughs> it's like Highlander meets like on. It's going to be great. So that's the news for me. That's all I got. That's perfect for a long weekend. So I'm going to mention something. Uh, yeah. Apparently there's some effort or been made to not remake, but Tim, you probably heard about this. The Princess Bride. There's a bunch of actors who got together to do like some, some sort of. of you watch? I haven't seen it yet. Is it? How is it? It's people doing quarantine stuff at home. So it always feels <laughs> a little disconnected because <laughs> no one's together. They're trying to connect it through editing, which can work, but oftentimes doesn't. Okay. Fair enough. But well, it's, it's, it's fine. Just, the list of of actors is fun. The ones who are all involved in this, and they're not. Sticking to any given role. Yeah, Common, like, yeah Commons in it. I was, was going to read this list. Haddish, like, Joe, Joan, <laughs> Joe Jonas, Sophie Turner, Common, Tiffany yeah. Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. Dave Bertuka, yeah. Chris Pine, Annabelle Wallace, Hugh Jackman, Jennifer Gardner, Elijah Wood. Actually, I'm not going to read this entire one, but it does have Taika Waititi and Zazie Beetz. Love me some Zazie. Yep. So anyways, Love me some Taika. That's fun. I, I wasn't sure if I, I wanted think. to watch it or not because it sounded kind of cheesy but also fun. So mm -hmm. do you recommend it? I mean, it's entertaining. It's fine. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw some clips of it. And I was it like, this is Zoom? silly. Is it a whole no, script? It's people recording stuff on their phones. Oh, it's on Kubi. I, mean, I forgot yeah. to mention that. So is it the whole movie? So they read the whole thing? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't see I, the whole thing. I don't know. And what's funny is um, Fred, Fred Savage is reprising his role as the kid. Perfect. That's what should happen. I would be pissed if somebody else took that role. Unless he's going to play the grandpa, he's playing the kid. That's right. That's I know, right? <laughs> so one other topic I wanted to bring up is that um, apparently on Netflix, they pulled an episode of Community. Did you hear about this? Well, I sent it to you guys. Yep. So 
hopefully you heard about it. It was the episode Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, in which uh, Ken Jong's character at one point, mm-hmm. um, Senior Chang, he paints himself all black because he's a dark elf, which is all fine. Shirley makes a remark about it. Um, but they pulled it because, I guess because that, that's, they think it's technically blackface and somebody complained. I don't know. It seems kind yeah. of stupid to me. Like, it's obvious in context what's going on. I, I would just put a card in front of it. Hey, during this episode, this happens. This is why we're doing it. And leave it at that. That's what they're doing with Gone with the Wind. Just putting something in front of it. Like, that's fine. If you feel the need to do so as a, as a network, that's fine. I would pull it. Even if it was offensive, I wouldn't pull it. I would just say, this is something that we did, and this is why it's offensive. FYI. Okay, what about Nightcrawler in X-Men? Was that... He does look like Nightcrawler. That's exactly what he looks like to me. And it's that's a white kid actor, right? So are we gonna say that white kid was in blackface? It's not black. He wasn't black though. He was blue. It's like dark blue. What color is Chang in? I mean, how is it that different? It's like he's wearing like black paint. They look the same. They they more or less do. Yeah. No, you're. It's an interesting point you're making. Like you Um, said that when you said when you heard about it, Kendon, you were like, he's not. He's not dressed up as a black guy. He's dressed up as a elf, yeah. as a dark elf. And in these, that's what they look like, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, and that's the point, right? Because Nightcrawler is German, right? He's not pretending to be a black person or anything like that. Well, I mean, there are black Germans. He's not pretending to be anyone. <laughs> it's like a mutant. He's just a mutant gene. <laughs> That's the thing. He's a mutant, and like Chang is. Didn't see the look that went between us. Yeah, but Chang isn't. He's an elf. (laughs) It's it's an overreaction from the network. I think that this all this overreacting stuff will pass at some point. I would say, listen. um, I think there's a lot of good societal change that will hopefully come out of all of you know the last crazy several months. Uh, This is not what I think anybody reasonable is asking for. Um, No. just so everybody is clear, blackface has to do with portraying, like, like uh, portraying black people. White actors portraying black people in stereotypical ways and painting up their face, not, not pretending to be an elf. Yeah, and making black people do the same thing, right? Black people performing in blackface, right? It, same. Yeah, because it's these exaggerated character. He, right. None of that exists. It's just part of the joke. Part of the joke, right? Is that. It kind of seems like that's what it is. Like, what's funny to me about Chang is that he's probably he probably knows it looks like he's doing blackface, but he has he has the most plausible de- deniability possible. Yeah. And I, this show is smart enough that, and it's also an episode about helping out somebody in need, right? Because the the character who is interested in Dungeons and Dragons has been getting picked on, and so the main cast decide to do something that he's into to try to lift his spirits so it's like oh that's like throwing out the entire what baby with the bathwater. i was gonna say the entire bathroom with the babe with the bathwater, but that didn't that's just sense. i mean even smart shows do dumb things it's i don't even care that if, if it was initially a dumb thing which it sounded like it wasn't just put something in front of it you don't have to pull the episode just put in the nice yeah. like hey guys when we did this episode it's happened like they could they used to not always have warnings before shows about graphic violence or if they depicted rape. That's something they started doing recently. Mm-hmm. Shows being 
before it airs, a quick little title card. This episode contains, blah, 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 just to let people know. Um, yeah. Instead like- of just disappearing it, because it just disappears. <laughs> and, and people are like, don't think we're not going to notice one of the best episodes of Community is just gone. So and speaking, I- of, speaking of labels, real quick, sorry. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out, um, we watched uh, an episode of The Twilight Zone, um, also in preparation for this episode. And it's rated TV 14 for, quote unquote, fear and smoking. Well, I didn't know fear. I didn't know fear was a was a not scary scenes or fearful behavior or anything like that. Just fear. Just fear in this show. That was it. Great. So I I agree on this episode of this show. I don't. I, I don't think though. As I'm listening to you talk, I don't think I'm with you when it comes to not disappearing like there are some things that i'm like no but that shit in the trash like i'm not okay like you can keep it in a library somewhere so that you can find it for like examples of where history went wrong but i would be just fine with certain things not not being able to have airtime and so i don't think we're on the same page i think for this one in particular i don't i think it's okay and so i think it should they should be bringing it back but um, there are other things that I'm like, no, nope, take it out. Sorry, canceled. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm I'm less down with the canceling of things, but nothing's ever really canceled. Like I, that's the thing. Like you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. I'm more so making people live with the fact that they did it. Like <laughs> you did something. Like Jimmy Kimmel was in blackface playing Carmelo. You gotta live with the fact you did that. Comedy Central to keep those episodes. You can find them on their website and you got to know what's out there. You don't get to disappear and act like you never did it. I agree with that. I want you to know you did that and people can find clips of you doing that. You don't get to like pretend it never happened. Because it was at some point, everyone thought it was okay. Okay, so I don't know if this is devil's advocate or not. But there was a lot of shit. There's a lot of Chappelle and Whiteface in the Chappelle show. And it was hilarious. It doesn't go the other way. Doesn't go the it's other way. Just like oh, racism. We're, we're, but, but to be that's fair, that's what we're going with. There's yeah. a lot of stuff on Chappelle's show that probably couldn't air today. It's not even that. Just the ways right. he approached comedy. Um, but again, same thing. Put something up before it and say, hey, this was at a time we thought this was okay. I'm all right with that too. Yeah. Okay. okay. Any other news? That's it for, Not me. for me. All right. What have you guys been doing? Julia, you can go first. I've been camping. So happy on news on camp, uh, <laughs> camping on purpose. <laughs> happy news. Washington State Parks opened up just in time for us to be able to use our campsite at Lake Chelan. Mm-hmm. We go every year. Well, some the, <laughs> the group goes every year. Kendra and I go some of those years, and so we made it this year. And so I don't know if you can tell Tim, but I have a little bit of a tan. A little bit of a tan. How a bit. did you feel safe? No. Oh, it was really interesting. So while we were there with camping, you're not really that close to people, so it was fine in terms of just being around. And but with our with our group, it was it wasn't feasible to do social distancing with like the group that we were with. So we ended up being exposed to them, to our group, but we were social distanced from like strangers, which is good, I guess. 
Um, but I mean, we drove out there and we stopped at a store in Eastern Washington and Kendon was the only person in or out of the store while we watched with a mask. Um, like they're not wearing masks out there. I'm sure it doesn't uh, surprise Tim that Eastern Washington is not that interested in masks. Now this was on, we drove out on Tuesday. So it was the day governor Inslee announced that masks are mandatory statewide. So I don't know, like starting Friday when that went into effect, if they're wearing masks now, but it was really interesting. Chelan town, we went to the store there, like to to their Safeway. And I, I did see masks there, Um, but it's because it's a tourist spot. And so it was a whole bunch of people from Western Washington Oh, yeah, <laughs> like same as uh, us. So that was that uh, was interesting, but but camping itself, I mean, we're just like out there. I was nervous about going to the public bathrooms, mm. um, but I wore my mask every time, and and I think we did okay. We'll find out. I think um, Kendon and Carme are going to take one for the team and get tested to see if if they're clear, because I really don't want to have to take another COVID test. That thing was uncomfortable. But it was really fun, and it was nice to get away. Um, yeah, so did that. And the other thing that I'm doing is, so we did a lot of talking. <laughs> There's a lot of just like sitting around a campfire chatting, sometimes about substantive things, other times not so much. And so one of the co- topics that we got onto is just like, what are people watching? Are there any good shows out there? Mm-hmm. And something that was recommended, or I don't know if it was recommended or just mentioned, was the show Lied to Me. Do you remember this show? Yes, <laughs> I do. I never watched it. Yeah. So it's it's on Hulu. It's from, I think, the first season is either 2008 or 2009. And I mean, I think of it as like house... But not as good. But not as good. Not as good. <laughs> um, it's like, not as good. Yeah, but it's just it's about uh, you know basically human lie detectors. They watch your tells, right? They see your faces, see the gestures that you do, the body, read your body language, and tell when you're lying or not, um, or what not just lying, but like other things, like oh that's fear, that's surprise, just different different um, emotions. I think we should mention that the person who told you about this. The way she described it, she made it sound like it was a documentary. She yeah. Was like, it's this show about people and their tells and how, like, she described it, not, and I didn't realize it was a drama. Yeah, I didn't either. Commercials for it. I thought it, well, so I didn't think it was a documentary so much as, like, um, just real people coming in and sitting in front of a guy, like a reality show. I thought it was a reality yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't know it was a scripted drama. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's a bit problematic. We're, I'm in season one, and I mean, it's just interesting because, like, they have episodes of, like, people based in Yemen, and you have, like, Middle Eastern music playing, and so far, they are very terroristy type of depictions. It was full-on depictions. War, war on terror times. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It started in, like, 2009. Yep. Yeah. So sure. one thing that was interesting, though, is one of their very first episodes, they take on the issue of NCAA and how um, athletes have to play a year in college before they can go to the NBA and how some kids, like, that's their, like, best year to be able to make money, but they're not allowed to because they're forced to play college. Um, So anyway, like, it's just kind of funny because it's, like, a very 
vanilla show, but they hit that topic back in 2009. Which I thought is was that still a case? Do you still have to play a year in college? Yeah. They're talking about changing it though, but yeah. There's so, crowds. They're going to the G League. They're, they're going to other leagues. They're going overseas and playing and getting that year. They're not going to college necessarily. If they feel like there's another option for them to make money, they'll leave. Yep. And the argument they made in the show is that it makes them take high school more seriously, take their studies more seriously in high school. That's why they need to go to college for a year. No, it doesn't. Yeah. They're, like, uh, really, really quickly, an interview with, you all know who Kevin Durant is. Of course. Mm-hmm. Time NBA MVP, drafted by the Sonics, uh, one of the NBA's best players, Hall of Famer. He was talking about his time in Texas. He was like, I'm, I kind of was never really there. He was one and done, right? And he said that he was never really a student. So you sort of broke down the year. So you get there early, you're working out, you're kind of in class. Then the season starts. So you're traveling if you're in a top program. You're not really on campus. So when the season ends, it's March Madness. So we're already into March. So then if you're a guy like Durant, who's going to go to the league, after the March Madness is over, you're, you're prepping for the draft. You're working out. You're doing all those working out for teams and all that stuff. Is it so? You're not. You're not really on campus. So this idea that you're you're missing some experience of being in college is a load of crap. And that's what they said in this show too. They're like, basically, NCAA needs its tournament. So. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, so you're just there to make the money. Yep. You're, you're there to make the money, which is why they're right now currently they're trying. There's already plans to get kids back on campus. Yeah. Well, we have a family member who plays uh, sports in college and that, and she's heading back soon to start working out and they're working out like small group and then larger group and then larger group as the weeks they go don't, on. They don't care. They're going to, they're going to get that money. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. What are you guys up to? I've been watching this show called imposters on Netflix. Originally a show on Bravo. Never. <laughs> my friend Janice suggested it to me. We were talking about stuff to watch, and it is about uh, this con artist woman, and it's great. That's, all. <laughs> That's it. It's a cut of hunters, and it's great. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much. It's about this con artist woman, and it's great. It'll have you hooked in the first five minutes. You're like, oh, this is what this show is about. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, so that only sounds like seasons. a positive review. Only two seasons so far. Um, I don't know if Netflix, I think Bravo canceled it, but Netflix is known to come in and swoop in and, and, and steal shows, give them you know new life. So let's see. The other thing I've been watching, you know, I've been doing my movie watch with my friend and I watched Home Alone 3, which I never saw before. Where does that one take place? It's in a house in, I think, Chicago or somewhere. And it, the, okay, so the opening 10 minutes, it was like a thriller about this microchip that they're trying to get at an airport. Like, you know, the other movies open with like the McAllisters at home. This opens with like drama at the airport. And then, of course, the kid ends up with the microchip and these bad guys are trying to find it. And then it's obviously his house and hide into. Is it Kevin? No. 
some other kid. I had I don't know who this kid is. This it's, movie came out in the nineties or, or like in the two thousands. Uh, probably nineties, late nineties. Because I feel like I mentioned it when we did the uh, we did the movie. Mm-hmm. Scarlett's in it. Um, oh, that's interesting. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she plays the sister. And connecting to what we've been watching, what we've wa- talking about this week, I watched the whole second season of Twilight Zone. Awesome. How was it? Hit and miss. Hit and miss, much like last season. Some episodes I was like, that's Twilight Zone Other episodes I was like, eh. And they kind of, they redid one of my favorite episodes to serve man, and they kind of didn't do it right. Oh. I was kind of bummed. It's one of my favorite episodes. But wait, to serve man, the one where you're eating people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they kind of those aliens show up and it's kind of this weird thing. But here are the episodes I did enjoy. I wrote them down. Meet in the middle. The first episode with Jimmy Simpson. Great episode. Episode four's ovation. It's got um Journey Smollett Bell in it and Tony Newsome. It's great about the singer. I love her. Among the Untrodden, I don't know who's in this one, but it was that was pretty good. Eight is this weird, like, Antarctic scientist one that Kim and mine enjoy. A Small Town is great. It's got Damon Wayans Jr. in it. It's fantastic. It's very Twilight Zone. Like, A Small Town is, like, and Try Try is probably my favorite of the bunch. It's got Kylie Bunbury in it, who's on that show Pitch. She played the pitcher, the girl who was pitching. And pitching in Major League. Pitch is now available on Hulu if you've never seen it. I would recommend watching it. It's a great show. I think it was two years too soon. But it's essentially, it's just her and Topher Grace in this sort of like crazy meetup at this museum. It's by far my favorite episode of probably the first two seasons. He's kind of great. He's great in it. He's great. And she's great in it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So those episodes I thought were like really good. And worth definitely, if you're just perusing through Marcel's episodes, I think you'll, they're the most Twilight Zone of the Twilight Zone episodes that I've, that I've seen. Cool. Um, we never saw season one, so, but here's, here's the thing. So Twilight mm-hmm. Zone definitely belongs in scary October. Does I'm it? scared of Twilight Zone. Yeah, Wait. it does. For well, Shalia, it, it does. It doesn't have to be. Like, a small town isn't scary. I mean, but small you don't... Small towns are scary. The episode that I've seen... Small <laughs> town, the only scary one is probably eight. Eight. Like, eight's the scary one. The downtrodden... I'm thinking about what would scare you. What would scare Shalia? Eight. Among the downtrodden... But, here's but the how problem, are you even though. supposed to know? Yeah, I was literally going to say, how does she... No way to know. Yeah. There's no way to know. I'm telling you because I've seen them. Those ones would scare you. But the other one, like you'd, you'd enjoy Ovation a lot. And you'd enjoy Try Try. And you, you'd, enjoy those, you'd enjoy those other stuff. Like, you oh, learn right. the slow build of Meet in the Middle. It's like a slow build to the end. And you're like, oh, when it gets to the end, you're like, oh, no. This is worse. Okay. Than- yeah. okay. I was going to say, because Kendon's in trouble for this week's episode. Just- I don't know why. <laughs> well, okay. Before we get to it. What is there something? Is there a, is there a story that scared you? Wait, we All haven't gotten them. to the movie yet. 
Wait, yeah, Kenan still has to tell us. All of them got, scared we me. We still got my what have you been watching. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, except I'll, for the second one. Oh, the second oh, she's one gonna, didn't. I'm sure she's going to explain it all. It's in Okay. All right, we'll get there. Um, but real quick, a piece of news that I forgot about, but you reminded me about, is that um, every couple of years, um, Lego has those ideas sets, so people submit the sets. Submit set, set ideas. They get um, voted on online, and then they'll create a set. So, like Ghostbusters set, for instance, was one, mm -hmm. and the Back to the Future set. The McAllister House was chosen this year. Um, Home Alone. So, the McAllister House from Home Alone, along with actually the apartment from Seinfeld. Um, and they've already done the Big Bang Theory and Friends. So anyways, so thanks for reminding me. But yeah, they're going to do the Home Alone house. I don't know what it's going to look like inside. It's going to be like mousetrap or something. Yeah. Like. yeah, I'm sure they'll have stuff in there. Have you ever considered submitting an idea? Um, yes, but I just haven't put enough time into any real one full idea. And make, like you need to, I need to, I need to make my own um, prototype. Like and a proof just, concept kind of thing. Exactly. And I just doodle around with Legos or build sets um, with the instructions. Um, so I would have to dedicate a lot of time to that particular hobby of mine. Right. But is that, is that what you've been watching? Twilight Zone? Yeah. Did you have some more? No, oh, yeah. no, that was it. That's all I've been watching. Okay. All right, Kendon, tell us what you're up to. I'll make mine short. I'm letting my freak flag show fly. Freak? I messed that up already. Yeah, um, my my extreme nerdiness. I decided to uh, to take a dive into some Warhammer stuff. Okay. Warhammer forty thousand. Um, what is that? It's um, it's originally a tabletop game from the eighties. Um, that is, if you imagine, like Tolkien, you know, dwarves and elves and orcs and all of that. Um, but it's in space and it's extremely uh, violent, depressing and all this other stuff. It's where the term grim dark comes from, grim darkness. But anyway, so it's basically like a medieval imperium of, of humanity in space. Um, and there's uh, aliens that are trying to destroy humanity constantly. It's, it's a whole thing. But um, I started a book, it's called Xenos, which is, uh, it's about an inquisitor um, and, in, and in the Imperium, Inquisitors go around basically trying to find anybody who's going to subvert um, society in one way or another, either as an alien, which is Xenos is another word for alien. So this first book, he's basically trying to uncover an alien plot. It's a lot to explain, and I could go on, but I, I'm going to save that for when I get through the series, because it's like a three or four part series. I'll explain a bit more. But the one that I'm further into is the game, and the game is called Mechanicus. And Mechanicus, is, that is a faction within humanity in, um, in the Warhammer universe that deals with all of the machines. So they basically have created like a religion around machines. And in this game, you're going to the, to like the de a dead, not a dead world, how do I say? You're going to a world that has this enemy faction on it, which basically are like Terminator. You know, the Terminator skeleton? So it's this whole race that have uh, locked... Oh, exoskeletons? Yeah, basically. They've locked, they locked their souls into these machines because their bodies were not up to snuff, basically. 
<laughs> and they got tricked by a, like a, an evil god thing. Whatever the case is, they have highly advanced technology and they're basically um, the an analogous to like an un the undead. Um, okay. Like a mix between the undead and uh, Egyptians. That's kind of like the way that they are portrayed. Anyways, um, you're there to try to steal technology and you get to upgrade your, your units and they look all crazy like they're robot people who are constantly at, uh, um, modifying their human body parts, replacing them with um, technology. Um, and so this is a really fun game. It's a strategy game. So you go from map to map, um, fighting enemies kind of on a chessboard sort of thing. And then you get to customize your, customize your army. So anyways, that's been a lot of fun. I've been playing that. And then to tie into what we're about to talk about, Shalia and I watched Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which is an original, I think, 1963 episode of The Twilight Zone with William Shatner. Yeah. Where there is last something weekend. on the wing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So you briefly mentioned it last episode. Yeah. I hadn't seen it, I think, since maybe college if not high school that i could think of shalia had never seen it yeah my introduction was ace ventura and they never say there's a thing on the wing some thing that's he funny because say, that's what a I man every said, time because i've seen ace ventura more times than i've seen this episode of the twilight zone so that's a misquoting right it's, yeah it's not there's something he constantly says there's a man on the wing or maybe a gremlin and but, explains but, what gremlins are which was fun I'll remind our audience and friends that Fourth uh, of July weekend, there's always a uh, Twilight Zone marathon. So you can probably catch this episode. They're on Netflix. They're on Netflix. But if yeah. you don't, if you're just up and you're watching TV, they're probably going to run a marathon. That's kind of cool. Um, and all of the episodes or the segments or what when we watched it, it said segment um, from the movie are from our remakes episodes. Wait, all of them are? I believe so. Oh, they are? Yeah. yeah, I thought I saw that. Well, I'll, I'll fact check that. But are you guys ready? Are we ready to talk that, about that the Twilight Zone? Yeah. Um, are we ready to enter? Yes, because we'll talk Zone? about the episode in, when, we, when we get to segment four. We can talk about the, the original version. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. Okay. Twilight Zone. Tim, Twilight Zone. who made it? Who's in it? All right, so 1983 Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, had four directors. Um, Joe Dante, John Landis, George Miller, and Steven Spielberg. These were all, like, top-notch directors in the 80s. Well, yeah, in the 80s. Like, not top-notch, but um, highly prominent is a better way to put it. So before this, Landis had done Blues Brothers, American War for London, Trading Places, we know what Spielberg has done. Joe Dante, before this in 83, had done The Howling and Piranha. Did he end up doing Gremlins after this? He ended up doing Gremlins, uh, yep, after this, and Explorers. So, yeah, this, that's it. And it's got a lot of people in it. Dan Aykroyd's in it, Albert Brooks, Vic Morrow. Charles Hallahan. John Lithgow. John Lithgow, Stephen Williams. Everyone's favorite bad guy, Al Young, is in this. <laughs> He's in everything in the 80s. William S. Taylor, 
And a lot of people who you'll you'll just notice, oh, Scott Man Crothers is in here. Yeah, he oh. is. But a lot of people you'll notice familiar faces when you watch this. It's an ensemble cast because it's four different stories. Um, some bigger cast, some smaller, but. So Shalia. Has... I, yeah, I was to say, can I start it? Yeah. So starting from who's in it, I think we have to start with Vic Morrow. But no, that wasn't what I was going to say. You, you just showed that it was a remake. Three of these are a remake of an original. One is not. And I have a guess which one is not. You which guys want to guess? My guess is it's the first one, the time traveling one. It's, I feel like it's way too self-aware for the 60s. Yeah, it is very self-aware for the 60s. They weren't doing that kind of stuff on Twilight Zone in the 60s. Yeah, sounds right to me. That's what you think, guys? Okay. Well, I mean, don't forget that it ties in, right? So the first one, Vic Morrow is traveling into the Twilight Zone through all of these. Um, He's basically a racist, and so he gets to travel through and see his privilege by being these other people. Um, He's having having racist rants at a bar. Mm Mm-hmm. Like all but, the way, race, like. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm not setting rants. up. I'm not setting up the episode. I'm just. I'm pointing out that travel, and that's to Vietnam. So, yeah. in terms of the '60s, like in early '60s, I think you're right. Like this is probably oh, too soon. Yeah. To have been in it. So, Vic Morrow. Do you know how Vic Morrow died, Tim? No. He was decapitated by a helicopter filming that scene. Filming that scene. That's so right. So that's where I wanted to start with it, just because, like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, any movie that we're watching where. A actor is in it and actually killed in the making. I, I was shocked. I found that out after the fact. Yeah. Him and two little kids who weren't actually supposed to be working because it was illegal um, yeah. for them to be working that late at night and by explosions and things like that. And so him and the him and one of the other kids or one of the kids got decapitated, and the other kid got crushed to death. So very sad. Uh, crazy situation there um and they don't show the vietnam like it just ends with him then leaving on the train back in um i guess germany or france i thought it was occupied france that no, he was no, in. no no so what happened what seems to have happened maybe i'm confused um did he i think he goes back to nazi times twice yeah but to different places because the first the one, I thought, like he, they thought he was, he was in occupied France the first time. Yeah. I don't know about the second time because they mark him as a Jew and put him on the train. Yeah. yeah. Well, when he walks past that theater. You put him in that little thing, that, the, the, the truck, and he's screaming at his friends the second time, right? Yeah. Right. As and he walks past the theater, it says, I thought it said Deutschland. Where's that? Germany. But there you go. that was the name of the, of the movie playing? No, it wasn't a movie. It was like a big building with lots of steps oh, oh that one yeah so i i think that he went back to world like world war ii times but to two different contexts we're agreeing and i'm trying to help you understand what the second one was oh yeah yeah i agree that would have been earlier uh, yeah i agree with you okay and i think that ending maybe would have been is more effective than that other one would have been well but the other one was supposed to be his redemption he's supposed to save the kids yeah i don't think he should have been redeemed I mean, that's the thing, if we look at all of these, is that they kind of have, two of them at least have kind of happy endings. Yeah. Kind of. Sure. We can go with that. Well, I mean, all of them, arguably, except for that No, first the first one, one doesn't. <laughs> except for the first one. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted, if we're going to start, I think we got to acknowledge that, because like, that's yeah. crazy. 
Um, okay, so who wants to talk about that first segment? Well, I guess we should start with the prologue. Um, I'll start with I'll start us off with the prologue because because um, you're the host because I'm the host and this is the prologue the and most. you've got <laughs> hostess with the mostess. Um, you've got these two. It's clear they don't know each other. It's I thought it was um, clever the way they established it. Like okay, well we've already talked and gotten to know each other a bit. And what do you like to do? And so it was it was kind of neat that way. And we kept guessing, right? And I think this is probably what audience experience too, knowing that they're watching Twilight Zone. Like, oh, is it is when he turns out the lights to do something, like to do something scary as they're driving, we're like, oh, it's going to flash something in the window or something's going to be different. I kept waiting for like a car to hit them from the side. We were um, on edge, I guess, kind of on edge. Yeah, on edge. And then they get into the show tunes um, game and they make a reference to Outer Limits, which I thought was fun uh and twilight zone <laughs> you know i felt like the i felt like this part should have been titled you shouldn't have pulled over the first time yeah exactly yeah <laughs> why do you why do you have this hitchhiker and then when he's like you should really pull over so i can show you something scary i'm like no i don't know you no um so yeah that's and that happens so dan Aykroyd pops out with what was that it's like it's a, a monster or a an monster alien. long yeah, hair something. Directed it by really quickly, and it's just like it's over. Yeah, directed by John Landis, and so from like transformation scenes, right? We know he's good at those. But that was American not a Werewolf. transformation scene. <laughs> he just turned back and he had a mask on. <laughs> Fuck it, mask off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're encouraging wearing masks these days, so I'm okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what is it called? What did? What's the song? Molly Percocet? No, no. Um, mask on. No, Fuck you it, don't have your off. mask on. You're, you're not wearing your mask. No mask on your face. You big disgrace. Spreading your germs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Did I send you that, Tim? I found it on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Big disgrace. Okay, so that's the prologue. Uh, who wants to talk about the second episode? I, want, the second I think segment, we should all talk about one. the first episode. I thought it was great. To... I thought it was great. Oh, okay. So as far as what happens in this episode, dude uh, goes into a bar. Um, he's sitting there. <laughs> it sounds with, like you're about to tell a joke. I know, right? He's sitting there with um, a few, fr uh, a couple of his friends and just, he's upset that he got passed over for a promotion um, by a person of Jewish origin. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's just like racist ranting, like all of the racist ranting. And multiple times when we were watching this we were like this is weird like that we picked this given the time that we're currently in it mm -hmm. seemed kind of um reflecting but he seemed like all the way the most of the worst um what do you say um aspects of like basically the trump MAGA following is yeah. really um he's proud he's american blah blah and i saw and i, I actually had got him for a second i was like oh look black guys in the back little yeah. did i know they were gonna <laughs> they're gonna play a part in this um so oh and he's just grabbing the women around him too that was interesting right it was very he, like i'm a bad guy yeah he, he was he was giving you all the signs that he was a terrible person yes so anyways um shalia thinks that the that the black guy who got up who i recognized for something from something i was trying to remember but it didn't come to my head um she thinks that he is involved with what happened to this guy no you don't think he cast a spell? 
No. So the reason I say this is because as he storms out, the guy says, well, first of all, I said this way later, like not at the beginning, not in this segment, but it was after the second one where I'm like, oh, okay, so we have magical Negroes in this movie. There's not a magical uh, Negro. No, 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 but there but is one in the second segment. There is a magical Negro. There is one in the second segment. So that made me think. So um, in the first one, as the guy is ranting, right, and like storms mm-hmm. off, he turns to hit to the guy's friends and says, I'm sorry about your friend. And like, there's no way to know that how he knew that guy was gonna see like that things were going like he was he he was doing the foreshadowing or the like, I'm sorry about your friend. Like it was coming. Yeah, but I don't I don't think he had anything to do with him going to Twilight Zone. I think think he did. Okay. I think he was magical. I think I, I think I think Twilight Zone does a good job of, of highlighting those things. They're never that subtle. Like they, they do a good job of highlighting that this person is part of the storyline. This person is sending someone in the Twilight Zone or they're, they're, doing, they're part of the story. And it can surface at the end for anything to be like, what did you learn or anything? He's just, it's over. That's a good point. They would, they would usually go back to him and be like, I told you or something like that. <laughs> But it was yeah. it was kind of it was kind of convincing when she said that, considering how strongly, obviously, Scatman Brothers was playing that role of of magical Negro. But to stick with this one, um, basically, he pisses off a bunch of people in the bar by being so obnoxious, and he gets up to go and take a piss. That's right. He gets up to leave. He walks out. Leave. Up up leave. Maybe he's gonna piss on the outside. No, but... that makes more sense because I was like, wait and he just decided to walk out to the alley? Like, I mean, I guess so. Um, but he, like, what, trips? He just, No, no, he doesn't even trip. The first time, he just walks out the door, and all of a sudden, he's in occupied France. Correct. So, you know, probably the, the 40s-ish. Somewhere, uh, well, yeah, it would have to be, right? Um, so he's, he's discovered by some um, Nazi, probably SS or something like that, officers, Right. and roughed up a bunch um i was a little confused until i realized okay so it's france right because there's a lot of french being spoken but then they switched to german at some point and also i kind of liked with i was just assuming that somebody was going to speak english at some point no one did that's my pri- my privilege or it's just the way that a lot of shows do things so that the audience can follow more because there wasn't even subtitles saying what they were saying in the, those other languages, mm-hmm. which actually is super effective, right? Because he's supposed to be freaked out. Yeah, anybody would be freaked out, yeah. confused. You can't um, communicate. Even when, when one of the, um, the Nazis says American, you know, like he knows that he's American. I'm like, okay, so maybe one of these two guys speaks, Amer- uh, speaks English, but nope, nope. And, and so he tries to get away. From, or he manages to get away from these guys. Um, goes and hides behind some trash, and then after they pass by, he runs up to this house, um, and there's a woman there with her kids. You can only imagine what maybe happened to the to the you know the father yeah. of the kids if he was in the picture. You know, probably something terrible. Um, and he's just like shh, shh you know. And it's like, oh my, is, is she going to try to save this guy or help this guy? She's like, no. <laughs> she has her own kids to deal with or to, to take care of and stuff like that. So she just opens the window, starts yelling. Um, and so they, they come to find him. 
Um, and then they do like what is a very like so he barricades the door, climbs outside. They're able to bust through, mm-hmm. and they basically the the two I'm going to call them SS officers, even if that's not accurate because I'm not sure. Um, they just start target practicing at him, yeah. like it's super cruel. It's very in, it's like intense. I had no idea how long it was going to go. Those two, like, you're like, nobody's coming to save him. The nope. show's not going to come and save him, right? It's not even like he's going to be saved by plot, per se. I guess he does kind of end up because he dies or falls. But then he's in a situation where he's about to be lynched. Yeah. Um, so he falls into the South. He falls into the South. <laughs> and like a clan rally, and they're going to string him up. Which was a little bit, um, I think, unintentionally comical because of... Um, Black Boys too. Jan- no, I was going to say Django Unchained. Oh, yeah. Because we, they I, immediately... Okay, so he pushes a guy away. First of all, they assume he's black, or, or they, they see him as black, even though we see the white actor. Which was helpful because in the first one, you don't necessarily know that, that they're, right. how, what they oh. see him as. And so on this one, you're, they make it very clear they see him as a black person. Also, he's but the weird thing is he must be wearing all of his normal stuff because, like for instance, they they uh, say he's dressed up fancy and they say he has a gold watch. So all mm-hmm. it is is somehow they see they see him as a black person, but the rest of him hasn't changed. But what I thought was funny is he was able again to escape from a bunch of angry armed people, pushes one guy and he knocks into somebody, uh, one of the guys who's covered in the the, the robes, the mm-hmm. Ku Klux Klan robes, and he lights on fire. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, and the whole scene seemed a little comical to me at that point. And I was like, I wonder how often in history, because they're burning, they're wearing all these flowing robes and they're burning crosses and shit. I wonder how many of them got lit on fire. Um, so it's making, <laughs> making me think of that extended scene in Django Unchained with the Ku Klux Klan that yeah. where they're all just acting stupid, basically. And from there, he jumps into the water to try to get away from these guys. They shoot him up. You don't know what happens. Then he wakes up in Vietnam, essentially. Um, but apparently, in this case, he's a he is Vietnamese because it's weird. He's ha- he's hiding from some some um, some Vietnamese fighters. Yes. And then the Americans show up, and he's like, "Oh, great! I'm American." He goes to run into I'm American, and then they yeah. they light his ass up. Oh, he was in Vietnam. You're right. They were like referring to the VC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Also, That's I thought it was interesting at first. It's prominent that it was a lot of black guys in that in yeah. that uh, what do you call, in that unit. Yeah. But um, and I was wondering if that was part of the point too. But then it seemed like it because it was dark. It seemed like a lot of them were, or more of them yeah. were than were. But you know, go ahead, honey. Um, yeah, I mean that was the moment where I said it out loud of like privilege right like i'm an american and it's like wow it does it's like this this episode is pointing out a whole lot of privileges that you a whole lot of privilege yeah move through your life feeling and here's a situation where it's like sorry you don't have it this time buddy yeah so they're shooting at him Uh, the grenade made me laugh when they throw the grenade it splashes next to him like ooh, and then and that's when he ends up huh which director was this john landis yes this is john landis because he got in a lot of trouble intentionally comical maybe you were supposed to because the way that that grenade dropped was very funny mm-hmm. i think so i think it was supposed to be and then he jumps into another scene which is where do you think i think that was germany i feel like that was i think he was back in germany 
Right, but I think I think you're right. I think Occupy France earlier. Second part, he's in Germany. So it's like they're taking him to a concentration camp. Which is yes. what the feeling I got watching that scene. Well, yeah, because they put a gold. They put the the gold star of David on on him. I think it even says Jude or Jew on it. So, and then they put him into a um, what do you call it? Into a, a train car with a whole lot is, of other people. Ugh. Yeah, mm. which is just terrifying. Like, <sighs> like until yeah. you really think about it, it. That's okay. So this is the power of movies, right? Like I'm into history. I I read a lot of books on like you know World War II time and all types of other history, but it's just it was very effective. Just that train car and a bunch of sad people, and then it just pulls away. And you're like, yeah, you nobody's trying to help you. The doors are closed. You you know it's well. What's worse is he knows where it's going. They don't even necessarily know where it's going. They may not know. He knows for sure. Yeah. Um. Actually, like. It kind of made me want to rewatch um, uh, Schindler's List, which I haven't seen in like man, I haven't in fifteen years. Yeah, I haven't rewatched it. Um, but it was just so effective. It was like this is terrible. I think I liked this one best. Um, I and I think first of all, I was thinking of the Twilight Zone. I didn't actually watch much of it growing up. I watched a lot of the Outer Limits that that when they remade that in the nineties. Um, I watched that. Um, yeah. I, I don't so think I, it, was a little, it was a little darker. <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I, I didn't know, is Twilight Zone maybe not as dark as I was thinking? Because also, uh, what, what do you call it? Bla- uh, Black Mirror isn't that, or is way, it is a very dark show. Are you it saying is. this wasn't dark? Yes. I no. think if you were to take those, you those guys, four. You guys, it ends with him leaving on a train to go No, no, to- no, no, no. This is why I like that one. I think that it made the most sense to me because I felt yeah. like it was saying something. It was darker. The, it was what I was expecting. Got it. Right. The other ones, like I said, at least two of them seem like they have a happy ending. All right. Let me give you guys some facts based on Wikipedia. Okay. So number one, the second he he falls back into occupied France, according to Wikipedia. Okay. Um, the other thing is, you're correct, or we were correct that this is the original story within this movie but it is loosely based on two other episodes of actual like actual episodes called death's head revisited and equality of mercy and then they pull the opening narration um well they borrow from what you need and a nice place to visit so it's a composite episode yeah and I'm Which is kind sure, of fun because that's what this movie is. It's an anthology. I'm pretty sure Death's Head was a unit of the SS. I think they had those little skulls on their hats, which kind of ironically is also where Warhammer pulls a lot of its um, imagery from. So that's a connection, I guess. Products of the 80s. So history that now. is, this, uh, he, it's very effective. And then, of course, they show him looking, at, at, he's able to see the bar that he had walked out of. Yeah, his picture um, outside the bar. So here's a question, and this is me needing a little more tie-in for this. Did he just get cursed or something? Or is it like, this is what happened right after he dies? Because it feels like, you know, we watched Ghost, you know, and when you die, you don't notice you die. Mm-hmm. No, the Twilight Zone isn't death. He's in the Twilight Zone. In the Twilight Zone. But it's didn't like they that say something about he's going to hell? I think the opening narration says something along the lines 
of him going to hell. No, it says it's Twilight Zone. You're about to meet an angry man, Mr. William Connor, who carries on his shoulder a chip the size of the national debt. This is a sour man, a lonely man, who's tired of waiting for the breaks that come to others, but never to him. Mr. William Connor, whose own blind hatred is about to catapult him into the darkest corner of the Twilight Zone. Hmm. I don't know what the outgoing narration is but that's what the well, narration okay is. i but mean to be fair, they explain the twilight zone as like this in between yeah so, so what he was so i guess what i don't there, get is, they just don't was he him. punished by somebody like what makes these things happen because i feel like this was like like racist hell like that's the point with the twilight zone they don't really explain it it's just the zone you're in they don't really <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you need to go do your research on the Twilight Zone for this. Was he in the Twilight? Okay, this is. Was he in the Twilight Zone when he was in the bar? I think he entered it when he walked out. He didn't even walk out the door. Because his friends aren't in the Twilight Zone. Nope, this is him. Huh? I I don't know if I'm explaining what I'm trying to say right. I guess it, it. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I'm watching this as if it's all fic. Well, it is all fiction. It's all a fictional world, but we're supposed to be believing that we could walk through a door and end up in the twilight zone. Yep. Not yes. that we're watching a fictional world, which includes the ability to go to the twilight zone. That's correct. And every single one of these does that, right? Like, You're right. Not the second one necessarily, but the third one where she's about to transition, like she's about to enter a twilight zone movie for a show, as is uh, Willow Shatner, John Lithgow, where it's like- When he gets on the plane. No, no, no. Actually, The that's plane weird. hits its final destination, the twilight zone. But, but that's weird. Like- so before the woman stops at the, the we don't shop, know when she answers. We don't know. I just have she this enters feeling before like they're she all, stops they for all sure, live she meets in, the kid. They all live Twilight Zone adjacent all the time. We and all do. Weird things happen. Yeah, we're all. It's just another dimension. It's but, a, but she, she doesn't cross into any new dimension when she meets that kid. What she makes you think that? When we don't know, it just happens. They don't show us. It's like, I think of it as like Harry Potter. Like, I don't know where that cat, like that trolley thing is that drives him around. I can't see it or even Totoro, but they're there and you might cross into it. You might not. Okay, so that that kid lives in a different dimension than we do? Whatever he's involved in is, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll get to get to that one. He may have gotten his powers from the Twilight Zone. We don't know. <laughs> this is me trying to make those connections. Yeah, you need to do more research if you want to go that deep. No, there's no more research to be done. There is. I'm sure there is research. There's literature on the Twilight Zone and how you cross in. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> She's probably right. It's been around since the 60s. Someone has done a deep dive. All right, let's dive into the second segment. So who, which of you, because it's not going to be me, wants to talk about Kick the Can? Kick the Can, it's a bunch of old people at a retirement center looking place. And they've got a magical Negro there. (laughs) Talks to them about something they're going to do in the evening. He gathers a bunch of old people. They're playing Kick the Can. I didn't know that was a real game. I didn't know it was a real game either. It turns, it turns them all young. And they think it's what they want to be youthful, but through conversation, you realize that that's not what it is. Did and a lot of them not seem that old to you to begin with? No. 
And then it was weird, like, okay, old folks, like, uh, retirement holds, old folks' homes, that sort of thing. That already seems like a real sad topic. So I, it was actually kind of getting to me. But then yeah. it was like, a lot of you people look like you could get along just fine in the regular world. Yeah. But well, this know. wasn't like a hospital, like a nursing home situation, no. right? Like these, this was, I think they called it a resting home or something, but like, right. it's for people who can't live alone anymore, but like they can socialize. And in fact, I think they were talking about having sex. Like yeah. in the first orientation part, they're like, if you had a healthy sex life, are you were careful, there's no reason you can't continue. There's a married couple there who look like they're yeah. maybe in their late 60s. Except for they all share a room. That was weird. This they all sleep in the same place. So but, they all okay. sleep night for this thing with, with old black man who, who teaches them a lesson about appreciating the life that they have. That's his magical Negro lesson. Yes. When they're young, that you know, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? You know, I want to see Haley's comment again. All this other stuff comes up. I want to say, I think this was a bad episode. It I'm was not. It felt like an episode of another show. Mm-hmm. An episode of like Quantum Leap or something. <laughs> but also, I don't, I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. Like, listen, I, if I, Although you didn't buy it, he like when they go back into the room, like okay, they're all gonna go back to being old. And the one guy who's like obsessed with sex, uh, yeah. and he's like, "There's no way that guy's going back." And then he didn't. No way. He wasn't. Right. So here's my point. So five of them turn young. Mm-hmm. One of them chooses to remain young. And I was also wondering, does that mean he's dying? Because he flies out the window. I was like, "Oh my god, is he dying?" Is this? No. But no. So we're basically saying he wasn't that twenty percent, tw- or eighty percent of those people chose to go back to their elderly age mm-hmm. or their older age i believe at most it would be flipped i do not believe that four out of five of those people given the opportunity to to continue from youth would choose to go back to being old i think they had valid points though like one of them was like i had to bury my dad and then i had to do this i don't want to go through all of that again but they don't I got that. they won't They'll have to say goodbye to other people that they love. I, like I that's think the, that this... that's the common thread of any of these like stories about being immortal is like you have you can't get close and love anyone or you do and you have to go through the pain of they're, losing. They're a not immortal. Over. They're just getting an extra fifty or sixty years on their lives. Yeah, but that's they're just going through it of, once. Of, of losing more people. Yeah, but I, I still uh, wait. Hold on. Um, so at age 70, 75, and somebody turns you back to twelve. Mm-hmm. You'd prefer to go back to 75? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the but idea that you're going to lose more people. That's a real that thing. No, it, it, it is. But, I mean, that's going to happen even if they live in that rest home for another 30 years or, or whatever the case. Like, you're, you lose people along the way no matter what. But so right. It takes a toll, though. And sometimes you're, you're accepting... I I don't know what you're going to decide sooner so they could avoid losing people. No, I think the toll of losing people is much heavier than you're giving credit to. It has to have toll to lose people, you know, like everyone, you know, and loved has passed away. That's tough. But no, not everyone who they know, because if they have kids, they have grandchildren, like it's it's people they came up with. Maybe I'm telling you that it's not convincing to me. It's not convincing to me that 80% of them would choose to go back to being old. Maybe. Maybe if they came back in their 20s. I don't know that I would start over as a a a child child without my parents. 
Like my parents aren't around to take care of me. Who's going to take the care of me? Stuff. Yeah. Where are you going to live? Who's I'm going to be an orphan. Yeah. You got to live uh, in a pocket. I'm going to go. I mean, like they're like, we're going to show up at our kid's house and tell them to take care of us. Like, okay. Which uh, is funny because they were put in this home already because <laughs> their kids probably wouldn't, weren't willing to take care of them in their old age. Got to go back to school. Yeah. Well, so what? I don't want to take another exam. First of all, notice the one kid who stays is the one who's basically about to hit puberty. He's yeah. like, I, but uh, anyways, I just, I, I, I felt like the, and it's interesting that you guys both seem to have had a significantly different experience. I really felt like this one was pushing a narrative that I didn't buy. I think that, yeah, like, be I happy buy, with your lot in life. I buy the narrative. I also buy that not everybody would have the same decision or make the same decision. And I think they did a good job of showing the various, I mean, one of them didn't even want to try playing the game. Like one of them just stayed inside and said, don't wake me up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep. I'm not going to bother with that. So I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was fine. But he didn't Maybe. know the game was going to be magical. He would have chosen yeah. to stay He's like, take young. me with you. <laughs> that was the funny, that was the interesting thing. I, I think this is too muddled of a segment. I, I just don't think it was very well thought out. Well, the reason I didn't like it is because I thought, what's the point? Like it was, eh, to me, like, so that's where I, it lost me. I wasn't buying this magical Negro guy. I wouldn't want to go play with him. He Wait, was a little too into it. A traveling magical Negro who yeah, cause, cause apparently go goes around. Don't most, don't, I mean, it's not beggar vans. Don't most magical Negroes travel? I mean, the guy <laughs> from um, Green Mile didn't. It's not always the case, right? Okay. No. Um, Question. Is Mace Windu a magical Negro? No. <laughs> He's got magic powers. No, he's a Jedi. He has extra powers. Mace Windu has magical powers. He does. What? Yoda isn't a very good. Yoda Jedi. is though. Yoda for sure. Yoda is okay. Gra uh, your grandma did think Yoda was black. I. My grandmother did think that Yoda was black. Um. Okay. Anything else you guys want to say about kicking the can, or can we kick that can? I think we should kick to that the can. next episode. I'm past that one. Okay, episode or segment number three is what is it called? They don't flash the name of these up when you watch them, do they? Uh -oh. It's the creepy ass one with the little kid <laughs> who gets everything that he wishes. This woman's about to transition because she's she's a teacher and wayward or whatever, trying to find a place to where she's needed and wants to stick. And she she was finds a that with mm -hmm, that she finds so that with this sense. little kid. So, because she started handling him just like a teacher or like did. a good teacher would, I was like, Oh, I wonder if I, I missed him saying that he was a teacher at the beginning. Because I was like, Wow, she clearly like understands how to deal with children. So, did the name of the she was a teacher, I don't think he, I think, think he has that sort of um ability to, to play, he doesn't have that sort of power. You know so, I mean? he sees something, he wants it, and he makes it happen. But right. I don't think he, do you think he made that guy pick on him? Like he kept messing with the TV so that she would like be like, oh, take interest in him and, and decide to leave and go with him. So the name of the segment is It's a Good Life. It starts Portrait of a Woman in Transit. Helen Foley, age 27, occupation, school teacher. Up until now, the pattern of her life has been one of unrelenting sameness, waiting for something different to happen. Helen Foley doesn't know it yet, but her waiting has just ended. Does she in the end seem kind of power hungry? No. Because I was, I was thinking like Pinky and the Brain time to take over the world. Because she was no. like, 
She's, it looks like she was very opportunistic. I feel, I feel like she knew that she had his, instead of him terrorizing stuff, they could do good things. Well, oh, you so, think they were going to go and do good things? Yeah. So my understanding, based on one of our old coworkers, Tim, is like how important it is for kids to have discipline and that they are thriving for that. Kids need discipline. They need, they need structure. to understand. Yeah, they need structure. They need to understand boundaries. And if they don't have any boundaries, they can't ever find them. Like that's when you have issues. And I think that's what he's craving. And like, there's times where he's looking at her and she's like, you know, like, oh yeah, you can't eat like this all the time. And he's like, yeah, not all the time. Like he's looking for that. And she, maybe because she's a teacher and has that, um, <laughs> teachers teach, but like one of the things they teach a lot in school is discipline and boundaries, right? Like that's kind of the social training that we get. So it, it's innate with her to like, be able to like turn that on and he responds to it because that's what kids need. But I feel like he was, he must have originally been looking for acceptance or something yeah. like that. Now he says his parents didn't take care of him or didn't watch him. So I want to make sure, well, that, that's for, I don't know how reliable he is, right? His parents may have been giving him that structure or something and he didn't like them because I don't know, they don't actually say what he did to his original family, right? No. Other than the sister who made her mouth, like, like made her mouth permanently closed. Yeah. Also, I was wondering, does he age? Can it seem like he was kind of a demon kid that was going to stay like that forever? Or is he going to become <laughs> an adult with yeah, these powers and a, a maladjusted adult? It's not like he just kept bringing people to the house to entertain him. Yeah. And to do his bidding and laugh at all his jokes and very much a, a crazy person and you know, they they were they lived in fear of this kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, it was like, oh, where, where, where is dinner? Oh, it's in yeah. the oven. Like, like they were very sycophantic. Yeah. Didn't it feel like Get Out? Like when she's showing up and like when they're all like super friendly, I'm like, fuck, Get Out. Where's your keys? That's a, I mean, get yeah, it's a really good point. And speaking of get your keys, it's really interesting when they get they like get into her purse and you're like, Oh, they're about to take the car keys or something. It's like, no, they're just like looking for stuff that they don't have access to outside yeah. of that, outside of their now prison or whatever. Yeah. He created a prison for them. Yeah. They, they didn't feel right getting out of. And the other crazy part is it takes a while to, to figure out what's happening. And you realize they're terrified of this kid. And the scene that really gets me is the rabbit out of the hat scene when what should be, we all know that to be a harmless joke that we see at kids' parties. Yeah. So, but he's terrified to put his hand in the hat. Like, he doesn't know what's going to be in there. And but it's really good because he checks the hat multiple times. You're right. Like, yeah. he's, he's like, this is, I wasn't sure if either this had happened before and something crazy had come out or he just is that distrustful of the kid entirely. Yeah. So, yeah, and when that when the monster bunny does come out, like, first it's a regular bunny, and he's so relieved. And then that crazy monster comes out. And I got to say, usually I'm really into practical effects. I feel like these needed an extra amount of polish in this episode. Yeah. No, you're right. The cartoon creature that comes out that uh, she's Super like, make it go away. It's really weird, but it's it seemed a little too much like an amusement park thing like you'd walk by and it would blow you know steamy air at you 
and go wah, 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 and then so, you move on so the one who the one who directs this is uh joe dante and he's the one who does in the next year gremlins yeah makes sense which is a connection to the third one or to the fourth one right because what the thing on the wing when we get there is supposedly a gremlin but a, but in this case a gremlin has like a different context than the movie gremlins does but my point is in terms of the special effects and the direction like i'm i'm wondering why this one did it the way it did or why he what what he was doing there tim do you have any idea if sam winston was involved with the gremlins no idea i think the thing is is that they got really like dedicated creature effects people to make gremlins happen um because i'm not saying that they're bad the the ones in this in 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 this episode or this uh segment they're not bad they just need they just need more work i feel like all right enough of this segment can we move into the next one or you got anything you hated that episode you hated it i did not like it at all it was creeping her out too but but i was gonna say the the flowers changing colors at the end tells me that something positive is coming that was the that's right i had for i had forgotten about that like I think I've been influenced by the Outer Limits too much and tied it into um, Twilight. Twilight Zone. So I expect these all, just like also Black Mirror, I always think that they have a bit of a sinister edge or a monkey paw. You know what it is? It's the monkey paws thing. The, the yeah. whole monkey paw concept is what oh. I always feel when I was watching it. And I was like, at least half of these turned out well. Yeah. Same as Black Mirror. Only one, only one Black Mirror episode that I've seen. Is that the one. only one that I like? Yeah. No, there's been a couple. Wait, wait. I haven't seen the last season. Yeah, we're still behind. Yeah. All right. So last segment of the movie, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. This is probably the most famous episode, right? And this is the reason we're watching this. It's the reason way. we're watching it. It's William Shatner is the one starring in the original and John Lithgow. Gal is the one who stars in this one and it opens what you're looking at oh it opens with a plane uh in a storm right it's like mid it's mid-flight what you're looking at could be the end of a particularly terrifying nightmare it isn't it's the beginning introducing mr john valentine air traveler his destination the twilight zone also this one is directed by is Spielberg. no No, no, this <laughs> this one's George Miller. Oh, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, George Miller, famous for, um, oh, what is the name of that? I was gonna make a joke about the Penguin movies that he did. Mad Max, Happy Feet, but he also did Mad Max, the Mad Max series, including um, Mad Max Fury Road, um, and Babe, and Babe, but not Babe, Babe Pig in the City. Oh, bummer. So this one's interesting because I I don't know the other episodes that these other ones are based on but this one like he doesn't his wife isn't with him like this guy is a lone traveler and it opens with him in a bathroom having a panic attack uh yeah. so they definitely change it up a little bit well then let's There's explain a creepy the, the little original kid. episode let's original let's explain the original episode right where he, um william shatner's character is being brought home by his wife on an airline uh flight after having been in um, a sanatorium for or a mental institution for six months after having had a mental breakdown on a plane already and then yes. he sees something on the wing yep, so now secure. we're talking about the differences she is right 
this time the character does not is not with his wife and is instead instead of having had a mental breakdown earlier he is currently having a panic attack yeah um, yeah and everyone's aware that he's having a panic attack i liked the changes just because watching recently watching the other one like it wasn't believable like this one was just felt a little more realistic in that like if your wife is traveling with you you're gonna have somebody who's going to be making better decisions like for example we're not gonna have you sitting by the window looking out the window we're gonna have you sitting in the middle of the plane I'm gonna be talking. I'm not gonna be sleeping, letting you just like wander in your mind. Like we're gonna be having a conversation. <laughs> like I'm gonna be watching you go to sleep if that's what we can do. I mean, there's just there's so many things that happen in that person. I, I, that I was not feeling realistic. though, like you were making those comments as we as we watched it, and I was like, I really feel like the time period may undercut what you're saying. Yeah, Kenan kept being like, but he's a man. Yeah, basically, but, but, it's like, but, like but I think by eighties. I, I think part of what makes this newer one terrifying is. The fear and the panic is so isolating. So you isolate him, you have him by himself. So everything right. he experiences, he's experiencing alone. Even if you're experiencing something crazy, you have a spouse who's at least going to be some form of comfort, even if you're having these delusions. But this is such an isolated event for him. He's, it, it starts with him isolated in the bathroom having a panic attack. And, and I, the that he has that is what continues through the whole series. Exactly. I think this is, I, I noticed this, tr- this trick, I think is super effective, but you notice from his point of view, when he's in the bathroom and the, so, somebody outside is knocking on the door and it's this really obnoxious, obtrusive kind of booming sound. And then right. when you flip out to the other side, she's like lightly knocking on the door. And right. I really liked that the way they were showing the difference in, in his experience, like his reality versus the reality of, I guess, the rest of the plane. You know, he's in, like you said, isolated in his own, like, little world of panic. Right. Yeah. It's fun in terms of being, like, he's an unreliable narrator. And so oh, sure. to watch it, you're thinking, okay, what's real, what's not? Like, that little girl with that weird puppet. Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps changing seats on this plane. Mm-hmm. Like, at any moment, they're at different, they're in different areas. It's... um it's confusing, but then also, yes, he like, ends up seeing something believe, on the wing. Would you even believe that one guy is flight secu- is is on is on flight security? No, like he did not seem capable of of handling a situation. Maybe in the eighties. Uh, I, I said this was all very pre nine eleven. Clearly, yeah. yeah, for sure. So the the monster or the gremlin or whatever it is on the wing is also very different. Uh, in the or in the TV show, it's like a guy in a, like a fluffy costume like a yeah like With my care bear face. costume like he soft like and fluffy bear. yeah and he also seems mischievous with with like the malice is turned uh, and he makes some really funny have you seen that episode oh yeah i've seen it oh, are you kind of familiar like he's clearly on wires several mm-hmm. times like he'll float in and he'll float away one time he looks like he's batman he's just like whoosh and just like <laughs> floats away but he's also more mischievous like he's kind of crawling around and then like pulling up a panel and like ooh, what's in here now in the the movie version that we just watched he's um, all slimy he's slimy is malevolent it's versus mischievous versus malevolent and they do kind of explain in the 1960s episode that gremlins as a concept were um like in world war ii different aviators and fighter pilots and that sort of thing thought of gremlins as 
these entities that would create havoc and mischief with the uh, mechanics of their air, of their airplanes and stuff like that. And I think this ties into that pretty well, the, the 1960s episode, because it's just like this kind of mischievous creature that shows up and causes problems, right? Um, but in this was... case, it's like a demon. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the movie, it was interesting because he's like, the, um, the left engine is out or whatever it is. And then they confirm, like, you're right, it is. Like, that's not in the original uh, TV episode right. and stuff. So, like, in this one, they're also giving instances of it's real. It, it is sort of happening. And we know that by watching But they the say movie. it's just a lightning strike. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. and we, but we see it right like we see the lightning as it's happening so we know like yeah did, it was it lightning look, and also did it look like it was behaving a little sexually too it looked like it was no. like no it looked like it was kind of humping like ah like as it was moving around and then it, it I, I didn't know if it created the lightning if it was like because the lightning hits where it is right so that's where the initial damage and then the guy i mean they're clearly dealing with somebody who's in a panic attack and all but the whole, like, um, trying to calm him down by the fact that we only lost one engine. The likelihood that we're going to continue to lose engines is very low. I was like, this is not, this is not uh, soothing at all. I was on a plane once where we were coming back from Hawaii and there's this beeping. It was a night plane, uh, mm -hmm. uh, red eye. And there's this beeping and it's just going beep beeping beeping and it was kind of irritating and we kept asking what it was and for me I'm just like I don't want to know basically like I don't want to know what it is but the people in front ask and so we find out it's the oxygen and that we are running out of oxygen on the plane um uh -huh. and they're trying not to have people panic. everybody starts hyperventilating yeah they're trying not to have anyone panic because they don't want everyone to freak out and run out of the oxygen a little quicker and so they're just like it's fine don't worry about it it's just the oxygen like then it was one of those moments of like, okay, pretend that everything is fine and pretend that you believe what they're saying because there's nothing else I'm going to do about it. Like, I'm not going to, what am I going to do? So just, <laughs> anyway, that happened. That was scary. <laughs> I can what? imagine what this guy was going through. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Okay, so it ends and the... And he's in a, he's being taken somewhere in an ambulance on a stretcher. And he's just like, I saved them. Um, because the gremlin jumps off, like as they approach for landing, the gremlin's like, you, you foiled my plan. Tisk tisk. Oh, wait, I guess away. what we missed, wait, wait, we missed pointing out in both cases is that he gets hold of a gun. He yeah. opens the window in mid flight, <laughs> fires yeah, the gun. And at least in the 1960s version, I think he hits six or seven out of seven shots. Like, yeah. he hits the thing. He has he very good marksmanship. I don't, I, I don't recall if the, in the movie version he does. But that's the climax of both of these episodes, is them breaking out in mid-flight and, and shooting at this thing that's on the wing. That's true. Yeah. That does happen. And his, he, okay, he decides he gets the gun in the, in the uh, TV show. He gets the gun, comes back to his seat, buckles up and then has his wife get out of her seat <laughs> i'm like uh he says can you get me some water which is interesting because he's already used the button that that um uh requests the the stewardess to come who usually brings you the water so i don't understand like 
anyway like like why is I he standing in his way like because i my understanding yeah. is the cabin pressure falls and like people could fly out and he has his wife get out of her seatbelt. i don't think she was wearing a seatbelt, but i thought that's what he was going to do is make sure her seatbelt was fastened but instead he had her get out of her seat yeah <laughs> like okay um but yeah so in both in both episode or both the movie and the tv show uh mm. it ends where they find damage or there's damage on the wing so we know it was real. Um, but in the movie, um, after we see that they figure out it's real, he's in an ambulance and turns out Dan Aykroyd is driving and says, do you want to see something really scary? Boom, boom, boom. That was so goofy. But here's the thing. Like, the answer was going to yeah, be no. Goofy. Don't you yeah. think? The answer is going to be no. No, I don't. It was yeah, very no, no, I just thought the most it, – it's like it, Kendon was, was in a giant spider web. And then somebody says, you want to see something really scary? I'm like, no, I've already seen the worst possible thing. I'm good. So it, um, it fades out or whatever, and it ends with this uh, monologue by Rod Serling. Um, oh, fifth. It's a fifth dimension. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we have four dimensions on Earth. Yeah. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is in the... It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Wow. So, yeah. So I want to mention about Rod Serling's um, narration because on the episode we watched, um, the episode version of Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, He's really good with words. Like, it's really impressive, his intro and his outro. Um, it's actually got me wanting to watch the original series, which I've never watched more than a few episodes. And Only then, a few? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a whole lot. I, I'm familiar with a lot from cultural reference, obviously. Like, the guy who loves to read um, and oh, it's nuclear, no. you know, nuclear fallout or, or, like, the end of the world. He has all these books and then his glasses break. Yeah, which is funny. Doesn't somebody reference? I would say they reference that in the prologue. I think. In the prologue, he's like, "It scared me so much. I bought a second pair of glasses when I was a kid." Um. So and the and like you said, the how to how to uh, what is it? How to feed humans? How to serve humans? Serve humans and uh, all of that. So oh, like, oh, I'm familiar serve, with them. To serve man, yeah. To serve man, um, especially actually probably a a, a ton of them from the tr the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Right, yeah, no, for yeah, years right. of watching that. So let's move into influences. Everything. So Simpsons, <laughs> uh, Ace Ventura. I'm gonna say it again. Ace Ventura. The there's so, no. I'd say that one actually is, uh, is from the 1960s one because he's doing a William Shatner. Yeah, but we're doing Twilight Zone in general. Right? Oh, Twilight like, Zone in general, general. Yeah. Everything. I don't think we're I think. doing. Do you think The Outer Limits came out came out after Twilight after. Zone? Right. It was after Twilight Zone. Yeah. Was it like on it was a competing network, probably? Yeah, it was a different network and, you know. Similar idea of show. Very similar idea. These anthology shows where weird sci-fi kind of things are happening to people in the real world. And also well, Black Mirror, for sure, is the, probably the biggest influence. Mm -hmm. Well, me in, in particular, then, because through Outer Limits, if, the, if Twilight Zone influenced the creation of Outer Limits, man, the Outer Limits from the 90s, I watched a ton of, and you can tell through my discussion that I conflate it with the, the Twilight Zone almost as if they're the same thing. It's on Netflix right now. It's on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? The Outer Limits is? Yeah. 
there is a freaky, freaky episode. Did you watch the 90s ones? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the one where the woman was deaf and they gave her uh, like a treatment so she could hear? Mm-mm. And then all of a sudden she started seeing aliens? <laughs> no. <laughs> like X-Files aliens. Oh my God, that, mo- that, that episode just messed me up. At one point she's home alone and one of them like shows up and starts like chasing her down the hallway. Oh no. Like, oh man, it was so good. Um, is, it, is it Outer Limits episode? Yeah. Yeah, an Outer Limits episode. I'll look for it. Um, and then, of course, the first one was called The Sand Kings. Do you, do you remember that, that one? That one was great. I love that, that one. So wild. The guy becomes like a sand king. Well, so what happens is, so, so is a side, side looking at me here, but the soil sample comes back from Mars, and there's like these little life in it. And then the life just turns out that it can evolve really quickly. So the guy somehow gets it from his lab into his like um, barn at home. Get, puts them in a little terrarium and they immediately like divide into two factions and start creating little wars and they create like uh, monuments to his face in the sand and they yeah. just evolve and evolve and evolve until I, I don't remember what happened some disaster but then it turns out they've gotten out into the backyard or out into like the woods or something so it's like these things will probably take over the world because they they advance so quickly mm. oh man that one creeps me out in a it's different way yeah Great. cool any other influences that's it for me I mean, what about these um what about these like four different directors splitting up a movie thing that's interesting i know we do a lot of tv shows right now where you have different directors doing different episodes yeah i mean this is it would have been different directors on the show too so i guess it makes yeah. a lot of sense but the problem is is if you're gonna like if if a season of the twilight zone is uneven whatever I, this sort of unevenness within a four four actor or four segment movie i think is really off-putting like if i had saw this in the theater i would have been really bothered uh, tim what is the, what is the general consensus to the degree that that matters on um grindhouse you remember uh was it death ride and uh, it was, uh, death proof and grindhouse and grind no 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 planet terror right Planetary, Death Proof, and Grindhouse do them, right? Grindhouse was the thing. There's only two. Yeah, Planetary and um, and Grind and uh, Death Proof. And Those both seem very different to me, but also they both seemed of high enough quality that watching the two together, I wasn't bothered. If I had seen this Twilight Zone movie in the theater, I would have been bothered that I wasted at least sixty percent of my time. I don't would you think so? I think it was fine. At the time, fine. now, yes. At the time, probably not. You're getting four more episodes. Three of them are remakes and one's new. Uh, and it's like but you, big you paid producers. Money. You put in two <laughs> hours. You paid money. So. You got this. And you sat through that stupid kick the can one. It's not that bad. I thought it was awful. But you're middle-aged. Kick the can? It was just like... Again, though, I guess maybe the expectation is you've watched The Twilight Zone and you don't think that they're all supposed to turn bad. And I mean, like, I do think that we treat our elders differently now. I think some of this, these concepts are things that we've been debating for a while. So, I mean, this is also 30 years old. Fair enough. I mean, because, geez, the guy, who, the guy whose family shows up every other, 
like, allows awful. him to pack all of his stuff, show up to the door, and then say we're leaving. Isn't he the same one who's like, we're old, we can't do anything? Yeah, and, like I, I feel like his sorry. family is is doing that to him. Here's I didn't read this to you guys, so I'll read it this time. The monologue for Kick the Can is: It is sometimes said that where there is no hope, there is no life. Case in point, the residents of Sunnyvale Rest Home, where hope is just a memory. But hope just checked into Sunnyvale disguised as an elderly optimist who carries his magic in a shiny tin can. And I think that's the point, right? Like even um, the the guy who's who's like, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to go play that. We're old. We don't do stuff. Um, and his family, like every week or every other week says, no, you can't come with us. So like they, even he got hope from this. So, yeah, I mean, I she starts playing nice. kick the can. Yeah. So I think it's, it was fine. I did. I was a little bit, I, I think Tim, you maybe saw the same thing, but it definitely seemed like Scatman Crothers was there to make other people's lives better. But yes. not like his, he was like, no, no, I don't need any of it. I already figured out life. Yeah, he's already figured out. Life. Yeah, he's figured out what the key to life is, and it isn't things you don't want. It's enjoying what you already have and appreciating it and all that. Yeah. It, it, okay. It is, I didn't dislike the episode. It just felt like a better episode of another show and not of a Twilight Zone episode. I gotcha. agree. I agree. Okay. Um, you guys ready to either say your yeah? What What's your favorite thing about this movie? Anyone else can go first? All right. My favorite thing since we were talking about kick the can is that when they are outside kicking the can, playing the game, mm -hmm. they turn into little kids. The one woman, she had taken her cat out to play with them and <laughs> the cat turned into a kitten too. I thought that was awesome that was the cat turned time. young as well. That was my favorite thing. Kendon, do you want to go over the thing? I'm trying to think. I mean, I probably the fourth segment, particularly that little that little section uh, uh, that I mentioned about the knocking on the door, is kind of emblematic to me of what I liked about it overall. Was the paranoia, the really like getting in his world of like, and then layering that one more thing on top of it that something actually crazy is happening that other people can't see, right? Um, and I really love in both versions of that story that they end by showing that something actually happened to the plane. I like getting an answer. I, I, I'm not a fan of uh, the mystery boxes. Uh, what's his name? Um, Damon Lindelof would, would yeah. prefer that you not know what happened. Yeah, just open-ended endings and all that other stuff. Like, I enjoy the, the first story with a guy bouncing around and experiencing racism. I just thought it was really smart. Yeah. It was like a really smart and it never gives you a chance to breathe. He goes from one crazy calamity to the next. He sort of doesn't get to rest. And it's this constant sort of berating of him in different time and space and witnessing, you know, people trying to murder him. He's not even just getting like, because he goes from cursing at people at the bar to like, no, these people are being murdered, and this is what it's like to be in that situation. You know what was interesting is when he was about to be lynched, and he got away and started running, what I say to you, Shalia, I was like, he's going to try to find another nice white family to hide with. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to work this time. And then I was like, oh, it's a time like this when, you're, when you'd really like to call the police, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. So I enjoyed that the best. I thought that was really smart. I would love to see them 
we make that episode. Yeah, actually, yeah, that would be. What maybe about, they'll do that in in the new Twilight Zone. So it's not the yeah. same, but isn't Antebellum kind of doing that, where you're like they're picking people out of today and sticking them into? Yeah, but those are black people, so it's basically it's revictimizing. Yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I was saying. Is it was just like a Christmas Carol? I thought a little bit. It had a little bit of that to it. Yeah. All yeah, right. Okay. I also that was my favorite of the four episodes. That one was my favorite as well. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it went one, four, three, two. Same. I think I had one, two, four, three, and the reason is because those are the like that's the order I would watch them again in. Because three and four scare me, but three scared me the most. Um, okay, Tim, when you watched this, could you identify the director while you were, we were trying no, to I guess? I tried to guess too, and I just gave up. No, I could not tell. Yeah. I was, I guessed the first one because of, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Schindler's List. I was like, oh, this must be, um, uh, I almost Spielberg. called him Shakespeare. Yeah, I almost called him Shakespeare. <laughs> it must be Spielberg. <laughs> but then... It was funny that it wasn't, right? Because he did the one where everybody becomes young. And I was like, well, he has been trying to re- recapture his childhood for his entire directorial. So that makes sense. So that makes sense. Now, didn't um, didn't Spielberg swap in terms of directing Schindler's List? Wasn't somebody else making Schindler's List and Spielberg was making something else and they swapped? I don't, I don't know. know. It, happens, it happens a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Wouldn't yeah, be. I think. Yeah, it's, that's frequent. Yeah, I think I heard that one recently. I was like, yeah, that was probably a good choice for both movies. Um, okay, are we ready to rate it? I think we should rate yeah. all four. The Twilight Zone movie. Is it a classic or are we past it? 1983. Wait, wait. Segment one. Let's do it as, oh, okay, okay. Segment, Segment one, one. Classic. Is it a classic, classic or are we past it? Classic. Classic. Um, segment two, is it a classic or are we past it? I'm past, past it. it past it segment three is it a classic or are we past it i actually say it's kind of classic i say past it i'm past it wow so that's two past it one classic segment four is it a classic or are we past it classic john lithgow i should have said he was one of my favorite things too he can act he was was sweaty he's all sweaty and gross but it's not the one you remember you're gonna remember william shatner like that's the better one of the two. No, I think, I think you're right because I don't know. I I think of them together now. Like I think it's ama- I think it's amazing to have to watch those right next to each other. They'll now be in my head, put together as like a an amazing. What do you call it? Concept for an episode, and two different ways of of uh, executing on it. All right. So based on that voting, we are tied two and two in terms of overall the episodes being classics or past it so the movie as a whole 1983 given what we just did and what you just said like being able to match up and think of you know 20,000 feet nightmare at 20,000 feet the movie and the tv show um if, you know how important is that we're gonna find out 1983 twilight zone movie is it a classic or are we past it I'll give it a classic. Classic. Wow, I'm surprised. I'm past it. 
Nah, not, <laughs> not, not surprised. <laughs> not surprised you're past it. As not corny surprised. as the the Dan Aykroyd stuff is, I also can, I think that kind of adds. It's kind of good. Mm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, <laughs> next week, what do you do? You, does anybody have a burning desire to do something specific next week? Why did you have something? No, I just been listening to our episodes lately and I, we keep saying, oh, we should do that or we should do that. So I have a couple in my mind based on like things we've said we should uh, do. What are, you, what are you thinking? So I think we should either do, well, maybe we'll save it for September. We need to do Revenge of the Nerds. Um, um, that sounds good. I've never seen it. And we need to do Mad Max. Problematic. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's going to be problematic. To say the least. But Mad and Max to- is such a summer movie. Yeah. And so why don't we do... Police Academy. Ooh, it's on HBO. Yes. Why don't we do Police right, we're Academy? Do Police Academy, and then we'll do Mad Max after that. That sounds good to me. Okay. That work Police for you, Academy. Tim? Yeah, Police Academy is crazy. We're gonna probably, do just probably, the first one. I mean, there's seven of them on HBO right now. I'm looking at them. Uh, is the cartoon series on there? No, just seven movies. No, yeah. So <laughs> it goes. It goes. Police Academy. Police Academy two. The first. Training assignment. Who's got me three back in training? Who's got me four citizens on patrol? Who's got me five assignment on Miami Beach? Who's got me six city under siege? And Police Academy seven mission to Moscow. Which of Man, those I was are really 80s, hoping you say Tim, how far? How many did they have in the eighties? They had uh, four in the eighties. Because the first one's in 84. I was really so, hoping you were going to say something like Police Academy in space. Holy moly. They've got one every year. So one, two, and three are 84, 85, 86. Four is 87. Five is 88. Six is 89. Yeah. Up to one a year for six years. They were just cranking these movies out. All right. Let's just do the first one for next week because I don't know if we'll have a chance to watch more. But like, we will. We don't want to do more. So it's a lot. It's too much. We'll just, yeah. just do one movie. It's a we'll lot. We'll do one. But we will. There's nothing to say we can't do the others either next maybe, or. If I love it, maybe it'll be like if we love watching it, maybe it'll become what have you been watching? Maybe we'll just keep watching it, episodes. Yeah. We might. We, we can. Or episodes. See, like, it makes me think of them as episodes <laughs> when you put them out that quickly. And they're not uh, that long either. They're pretty short movies. That's nice. Um, because like we're gonna do Karate Kid too, right? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we have to. It's the best one. Is it? Yes, it is. They go to Okinawa. I remember liking that one better as a kid. I don't remember anything from Karate Kid too, to be honest with you. Oh, I remember them hanging from the like when he tries to plant the tree. He's hanging from a cliff. I remember like going him going to the to the village. It was really cool because I think they go to a different place, like a place that's more interesting to me than I don't know San Francisco. LA. What is? Yeah, they're in LA. Yeah, is that where they are? Yeah, whatever they were, Sun Valley, whatever. That's not San Francisco. But we're not doing Karate Kid two next week because next week we are doing Police Academy one. Yep, I'm down. Can't wait. Next week, Kendon, what will we be next week? We'll be back. Cool. All right. So Sunday next week. Bye.